Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I'm going to talk about a story in Genesis 24. Turn to Genesis 24. And for sake of time, I cannot read the whole story because the story I'm going to preach from is actually the whole chapter of Genesis 24. And uh, it's actually a powerful, uh, powerful story. It's really a powerful picture. Um, It's the story. It's really a love story, if you like, when you read it. And you can go later on and read the story. But the way the story goes is what happens is Abraham in the Old Testament is a picture for us of God. We know the story of Abraham taking Isaac Earlier on, a few chapters earlier, he takes up Isaac up the mountain, up to Mount Moriah. And you know the story. He puts Isaac on the altar and he's prepared to sacrifice Isaac. It's a powerful picture, really, of the sacrifice that happened for us in the New Testament, which is Jesus Christ. Abraham being a picture of God and Isaac being a picture of Jesus. In Genesis chapter 24, the story goes like this. Abraham wants to find a wife for his son, Isaac. So Abraham calls his most faithful prophet, Eleazar, and says, Eleazar, I want a wife for my son. But I don't want to take a Canaanite wife. I don't want to take a wife of the land that we are now in. But what I want you to do is I want you to go to our homeland, the land that God called me out of, and I want you to find for me a wife for my son. So Eliezer goes out and he sets out to find a wife for Isaac. And the Bible says that he, he created, if you like, some small tests in order to test whether this woman that he's seeking out for the wife of Isaac is a suitable bride for Isaac. And the Bible says that, that the first test or the test that he, he sets up for this woman is basically goes down and he says, the woman, when I get to a well, and he took with him 10, the Bible says 10 camels. And he says, when I get to a well... Back in the day, there was called the law of hospitality where when you would go to a place, someone would offer and they would bring you water. And the ladies of the town would bring water to the, to the man that's traveling. And he said, but I will know one of the ways or the first way that I'm going to know this is the right bride for Isaac is that she will not only will she offer to me water, but she will also of her own accord she will offer water to all of my camels. So he sets out, and if you know the story, he finds this woman called Rebecca. And Rebecca comes out and that's exactly what happens. She offers water to him and she offers water to the camels. And then the Bible says what he does is he puts upon her, he gives Rebecca these gifts, these gifts of, of gold and jewelry, an earring, a nose ring and some bracelets. 
And Rebecca puts on, she wears, takes these gifts and she puts them on and she's excited and she invites him back to her house to meet her family. So he goes back, he goes into the house, he meets the family and he explains to the family, he says, this is, this is the quest that I'm on. I'm on a quest on behalf of my master to find a suitable wife for his son, Isaac. And I found this suitable wife in your daughter. He says this to the family and the family release her. In fact, just before they release her, the mother and the brother actually ask and they say, look, if there is, if there is a way that we could wait, can we wait 10 days before she goes? And, and the servant says, no, she needs to come with me now because her future husband is waiting. Come on, all the single ladies made some noise. And so <laughs> that was really a poor noise, hey, ladies. Like that was your moment. You're like, eh. Not going to find a husband shouting like that. So the husband, Isaac, is waiting, and it's this cool picture. It's, it's like a, uh, you know, it's like this crazy love scene where what happens? So she takes the journey with this servant back to where her future husband is. And the Bible says that she's going with the caravan of, of camels and they're going down the road and she looks up and she looks across the field and the Bible says that she sees a man coming towards her. And it's this awesome Hollywood scene and the sun is setting and there's this man and he's running through the fields. Maybe he's not, but I just added that. Shut up, I wanted to. And, she, and he's running through the fields and she says to the servant, who is that? And he said, that's Isaac, your future husband. And she comes out and she runs and the Bible said they both meet in the middle. Come on, ladies, that's your moment. Oh, if only, if only he would come. Okay, and they meet in the middle and it's this awesome, powerful love story. But I want to show you, church, this is more than just a story of a woman meeting her husband. This is a picture for us, remember the example of Abraham being God in the old, or a picture of God in the Old Testament, and Isaac being a picture of Jesus. This is actually a story, you know, if you know the Bible, you know that all throughout the Bible, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And I want to tell you something that what God is doing, there's a lot of talk right now about when Jesus is coming back and when is He going to come. Some people are saying it's meant to be today, so we're still here. Either that or we just missed it real bad and all the other churches have been raptured and we're still here preaching. But that's okay. I think we're good. But this is actually a picture, I believe, of what is happening on the earth right now, that God has sent out a messenger to look for the right proper church that He has called to restore to become the bride of Christ. And I want to show you some things in this story because this is actually a powerful, powerful picture for us. And I want to break down some things because you've got to understand that Eliezer, he wasn't just walking out looking for any hot chick that had nothing to do. He wasn't just what he had a specific mission and he was looking for specific things. 
What is God looking for in His church? What is God waiting for in the church of Jesus Christ? I want to tell you that the rapture is not a bailout plan. The rapture is not God's last plan that He just set up for the church to do to get us out of trouble because things on earth are getting so bad. The Bible says that He is coming back for a bride that is victorious, that is white clean, that is pure, that is holy and that is living in victory, that's the type of church that God is looking for. The first thing that the Bible says, the first test, if you like, was what I call the water test. It was, as I said, it was surrounding the law of hospitality. He said, when I go, one of the things that I'm going to be looking for, he said, I'm going to be looking for a woman that will carry this water and offer this water, not just to me, but to my camels. That's going to be one of the indicators that this is the bride of Christ. Water in the Bible represents three different things. The first thing that I want to really touch on in water is in regard to baptism in water. We're going to do it in a few moments downstairs in John 3 and verse 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I want to tell you, we believe in baptism in water. We believe in the full immersion in water. It is an outward expression of an inward decision to leave your past behind and follow Jesus Christ. It's a demonstration. It's an outward demonstration in the natural that I am going down in this water. And when I come back up, my past is staying down. I'm closing the door to my past and I'm opening the door to my future dedicated to the Lord. In Acts 2 verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptised. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Doesn't say let a few of you. Doesn't say let the pastor or let the preachers or let the leaders. It says every single one of us. I want to encourage you. Maybe you were someone that got baptised when you were a little kid. It was something that your parents made you do and you didn't really understand. Often I get asked a question. People say, can I do it again? The answer is yes. I think it's important that you understand what it is that you're doing. He's looking for a church that believes in it. The second thing that the water represents in Scripture, it represents the baptism in water, but it also represents the Word of God. In Ephesians 5 and verse 25, husbands is talking about husbands and your wives. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word. He is not coming back for a church that just preach pretty stories. He's not coming back for a church that just have the nice warm fuzzies and people just come in and they feel accepted. Hear my heart. I think that's awesome. We need to love. We need to accept. Every single person is accepted, is welcome, is loved. But you need to know that when you come into the church, you are going to hear the truth of the Word of God. It's not going to be watered down. We're not going to 
candy coat it. We're going to preach it in truth and preach it in love. The Bible says to preach truth in love. We do nobody any favours when we deny them the message of the Word of God. It's the Gospel of Jesus Christ unto salvation. It's the lamp unto our feet. It's the light unto our path. It gives us hope. It's something that we can lean on that will never change. It's a rock that we can stand on. We can depend on it. It is the Word of God. Social issues, political issues. If we, if we would look to the Word of God to guide us and direct us. The Word says when someone's down, you lift them up. The Word says when someone's in need, you help them out. The Word says that we pray for our leaders. We reach out to others. We love people. We accept people. It's all in the Word of God. When we start to stray away from the Word of God and put our own bent on it and add our own little flavour to it and try and modernise it and try and make it more palatable for people. Church, it's watering down the message of the Gospel and we do nobody any favours. We need people to hear the truth. It's the truth of God's Word. So many different people are walking around outside of our churches, walking the streets, living life away from Jesus. And so often they look to the church for an answer, but too often we don't know the Word enough to give them the answer of what God's principles are for their life. The Word, it guides us, it directs us, it keeps us safe, it keeps us on the right track. He's coming back for a church that knows what it is to preach the Word of God in love, not in judgment, not in condemnation. He's declaring the Word of God. The Word of God says that He created. We have so many different issues, especially at the moment in this climate. It's not just here in this country. You know, I talk to my parents back home. It's back home in Australia. So many different laws changing and so many different issues in society. I want to tell you, church, if we, if we created laws based on the Word of God, there is safety and there is protection there in the Word of God. The Bible says that He created male and female. He was not confused. He didn't change it up. He's not trying to combine something else. He didn't make a mistake. And now because of how society's gone, he's trying to work out a way to make it different. No, he created male and he created female. And I think it's wrong to confuse some poor little kid and tell them that whatever they feel in that moment, they can become. It's the Word of God, church, and we cannot water it down. We've got to preach it in truth and in love and show it to people as a shining light and say, if you need answers, these are the answers and they're found in the Word of God. The problem is that we've heard people too often preach the Word of God in judgment and in condemnation. But just because of past mistakes that religious people have made, we cannot pull back from the truth of God's Word. We've got to preach it in love and show people here it is. Here's God's plan for your life. Created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Listen, hear my heart, church. I hope you hear, I pray that you hear where I'm coming from. Man and woman. 
That's where, how it was created. That's what marriage is supposed to be. That's where there is protection. We've allowed this thing to creep into the church and into society and try and pervert what marriage is. I want to tell you something. People that struggle with homosexuality and are in those relationships, hear me and hear me very clearly. You are welcome in this church. You are loved. You are accepted. We want you here. But I want to tell you, I do you no favours that when you get in here, if we do not preach the truth in love and then what you do with the truth is up to you. But we got to answer before God what we preached in truth. And I want to tell you and show you what God's plan for your life is. We got to do it church. We cannot hold back from it. We've got to show people and we've got to love people. And listen, if there's someone here and you say, that's me, I'm struggling with it, then please come. Talk to one of us. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a leader. I'll sit with you. I'll pray with you. I'll talk with you. I'll show you the Word. I'll counsel you. I'll do whatever we've got to do. You are loved. You are welcome. But we will not water down the message of the Gospel for the sake of trying to please the world and keep things politically correct. It's the truth of God's Word. It guides, it directs and it answers. It's a spirit of confusion trying to come in the church and bring confusion and bring division. And now we have churches that are happy to perform gay weddings and happy, hear my heart. I hope, please, dear Jesus, that you can hear my heart. I'm saying we got lost and dying people that are going to eternity separated from God. And we got a weak, watered down church that are too scared to preach the truth. It's time for us to tell people He loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got great things in front of you and you'll find it out in the Word of God. You're loved. You're welcome. I had a lady ring the church a while back. She rang the church. She asked to talk to me and we got on the phone and she said, I'm in a, I'm married to another woman. Been coming to the church the last two weeks. We've got a little son. She said, I want to ask you something. Am I welcome at your church? said, firstly, thank you for coming. Thanks for taking the time to ring. I said, I want to tell you something. You're welcome. You're, you're welcome. Your wife is welcome. And your son is welcome. And I'll talk to any single person in this church that does not make you feel welcome. We love you. There's a place for you here. She said, I want to know what is your view on our situation. I said, well, I don't have a view. I just follow what the Bible says. I explained to her, it's not about my opinion. People say, what's your opinion? It's not about my opinion. Paul said, I take up my cross daily. I died to self a long time ago. It's about God's opinion, His plan and His Word. I can just show you what the Word says and you do with that what you want to do. But it's our job. It's our job to preach the truth. And then what you do with truth the job of the shepherd is to lead the sheep to where the grass and the food is. Last time I checked, I don't know, like, I've never done like shepherding with an actual sheep, but last time I checked, I've never seen a shepherd grabbing the grass and shoving it down the throat of the sheep trying to move his mouth. I'll just take you to where the, where the food is. And whether you eat or not, that's up to you. That's between you and God. Are you with me? 
Real quickly, the water, the other thing that the water represents, represents a baptism, it represents the Word of God, and it represents the Holy Spirit. He's coming back for a church that knows what it is to operate in the Holy Spirit. He's coming back for a church, not a church that's, we too often we hear this talk, well, are we a word church? Are you a faith church? Are you a Bible church? Are you a Holy Spirit church? You know what? We need to be all of it. We need to be all of it, all put together. That's what the church of Jesus Christ needs to look like. In John 7, verse 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the Spirit. We need to have the Holy Spirit in our churches. We need to have the touch of the presence of God in our churches. We cannot be so word and then we swing word and then we don't want to do spirit and then we swing spirit and we don't want to do word. We have to have it all. The Holy Spirit is there for us for three quick reasons. Write this down if you're taking notes. The first thing is to edify. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. When you're going through something and you're facing difficulties and you're facing challenges and sometimes you don't know what to, what to pray. I happened to me this week and I was in my office and I was, had so many things going on in my mind and didn't know what to do and I felt the Holy Spirit tug on my heart and I went into, in, went into the other room in, in, in the corner there and I shut the door and I started praying in the Spirit. And as soon as you start praying in the Spirit, it starts to build you up. It starts to edify you. It starts to lift you up. I want to tell you, church, we need people that know what it is to pray in the Spirit. It is for all of us, not just the leaders, not just the pastors. If you want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, I'll give you a chance at the end of this service. It's to edify. The Holy Spirit is there for us to enlighten. In John 16, verse 3 and 14, however, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth of the Scriptures. Otherwise, they just become words on the page. But when the Holy Spirit gets upon it, those words will jump off the page and they'll hit something in your spirit. It'll be the Holy Spirit that'll guide you and that'll direct you. When I first met Caressa and I was praying, saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? We're praying about whether it was the person, she was the one that I was meant to marry. And there were so many different challenges we knew that we had to walk through. We were in in two different countries. I had a ministry out there that I built. It meant leaving that ministry, leaving family, leaving friends, leaving that country, moving here. All of these things that would freak you out in the natural. But then I would get in the presence of God and I would ask Holy Spirit, will you guide me and will you direct me? And the moment I would start praying, I would get this peace come upon me. And I knew that was the Holy Spirit guiding and directing me. And she's super hot. So that made it a lot easier. <laughs> but he edifies. It enlightens. And the last thing, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the, worth, end of the earth. The last thing is the Holy Spirit will energise you. 
It'll stir you up. When the Holy Spirit starts to work in and through your life, it'll give you a power and an energy that you, you weren't able to have in the natural. Sometimes I'll feel it in preaching. If you preach a few times and you start getting tired and it gets to the end of the day and, and, and I'll be down there trying to get the notes together and, and you feel tired and you feel worn down. And often in worship, I'll just pray when you're at that point, you've studied all you can study and prepared all you can prepare prepare and then you just say Holy Spirit will you come upon me will you equip me will you energize me will you empower me and the Spirit of God will get upon you you'll get a power that you weren't able to work up or generate in the natural she gathered look at what she did this woman I love it not only did she know how to gather the water but she also knew how to pour it out He's looking for a church that knows what it is to firstly encounter His presence and then secondly pour out His presence to others. Do you carry what you encounter? Do you, when you encounter the touch of God, are you somebody that knows what it is to pick it up in a service? Get that, get that, that, that well full of the touch of God. Do you know what it is to show up to work on a Monday and have not just enough for you, but enough for your colleagues, enough for someone else to say, here, pour it out. This is what the church looks like that God is coming back for. It's a church that doesn't just operate on Sundays. It's a church that knows what it is to carry the power of God Monday through Saturday as well. The other thing, and I'm going to move real quick because of time. The other thing that that happened with this woman when he found this woman, the Bible says that Eliezer, the servant, as he's on this journey to find this woman, find the bride, For Isaac, which is this picture for us of the bride for Christ, the church. He said he gave her, the Bible says in the story that he gave her gifts. And then when she got those gifts, it says she put them on. There was a nose ring, there was an earring, there were bracelets. She put them on and she wore these gifts. I want to tell you that in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1, it talks of the gifts of the Spirit. This is what the church that Jesus Christ is coming back for looks like. It's a church that has the word of wisdom. It's a church with the word of knowledge. It's a church full of faith. It's a church carrying the gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirit, tongues and interpretation of tongues. All in all, He's coming back looking for a bride that carries the power of God. It's the gifts of the Spirit, not just a church that has them hidden, but a church that demonstrates them. This woman got these gifts and the Bible says she put them on. Do we, are we wearing the gifts of the Spirit? Are we walking in it? Are we operating in it? Because if you read the story, the Bible says when she put them on and she started walking, the Bible actually says her brother saw what she was wearing and came up to her and started to ask her what was going on. 
I want to tell you that God, Jesus is coming back for a church that knows what it is to carry the gifts of the Spirit and demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit to lost people. So that people would see what we're carrying and be drawn to us and start to ask, what is it that's going on with you? What's happening at Free Chapel? One of the greatest criticisms, I think, of the modern day church is that we preach a power that we do not carry. We talk about the power of God, the miracles, the touch of the Holy Spirit, but we don't know what it is to carry that type of power upon us. So if your colleague comes up to you and they need a miracle, do you have the type of power upon your life? Do you have the faith in your spirit to lay hands on them right there and then and believe that God can touch them, set them free? Church, this is what He is looking for. It's the bride of Christ. He's not coming back for a church that's watered down. He's not coming back for a church that just does a nice service. He's not coming back. For a church that's just dragging their feet, not sure of what they're doing. He's coming back for a victorious church. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 5 to 7, that you are enriched in every day by Him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift. We're called to carry the gifts of the Spirit. We talk so much in regard to the returning of Jesus. Like we're waiting for Him. We talk about it like we're waiting for Jesus to come back. I think it's very different. I think Jesus is waiting for the bride to step up. I think He's waiting all the time. We're saying that we're waiting for Him. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for the church to step up and really demonstrate what it is to follow Jesus Christ. That it's not just a message that we preach from a pulpit. It's a lifestyle that we live each and every day. These gifts that she wore, they came at a high price. She valued these gifts. Do we value the gifts of the Spirit? Or do we write them off and think that's for weird people? I I think we often don't get to see things like prophecy as much in our churches because we're so full of cynicism. Maybe if we honoured it some more. See, honour releases. If we honoured it and we said, Lord... And I get why we don't because people have seen it happen weird before and it's happened out of order. And God is a God of order. But when these gifts happen under the right covering and in order, I want to tell you, church, is powerful. This is what He's looking for. 2 Kings verse 6, it's the story of the School of prophets that were chopping down the trees. You know the story. And the Bible says that the axe head flew off the end of the axe. The Bible says that it fell into the river and shrunk. And the prophet walked up and asked him where it shrunk. And he threw the stick in and it raised up and he took it out. I believe that the lost axe head of power is coming back to the church. I believe there's a hunger in Christians and in the lost to see the supernatural 
outworked. I believe there's a desire within people to see it come back. To see us walk in it. The last, real quickly, I know we're out of time. The last test was the character. It was the character test. This woman, she didn't know what it was that was happening. She, she didn't know that she was serving a dude that was setting her up to go and marry someone else. She, she just knew him as a guy that came to the well with camels. And even though she didn't know, she still made a decision to serve. This speaks, I believe, of the character test. Character is demonstrated in two ways, integrity and servanthood. He's not coming back for a church that just operates in power and has no integrity. He's not coming back for a church that knows how to pray in tongues, knows how to heal the sick, knows how to operate in all of the power and all of the authority when everyone else is around, but doesn't know how to live in integrity in the dark when there's nobody there. You've heard me say it before, but purity in your private life will be power in your public life. He's coming back for a church, for people that are integrous. This was a woman that made a decision, even though she didn't know who this man was. She didn't know his agenda and what he had set up and, and what was about to unfold before her. She just knew that she just wanted to be someone that just served. If you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. We have people that everyone wants to be the leader. Everyone wants the the, the opportunity to be on the platform or the opportunity that stirred my heart this morning. I got here early this morning and, and I was down there studying. I looked out of my window. It must have been before six o'clock this morning and I saw our parking lot guys walking out with their fluorescent vests on, dragging those cones, getting ready to set up out in the parking lot. He's coming back for a church that knows what it is to serve and love people. He's coming back for a church that's not all puffed up with all their power. The Bible talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about if you have all speak in all tongues and know how to operate in power, but do not love, the Bible says you are like a clanging cymbal. He said, you're just making noise. I want to tell you, it takes integrity to know how to love somebody. Know how to love somebody that cannot do anything for you. We're great at loving, serving people that have the ability to position us to a higher position. But when it comes to serving somebody, he's looking for a church, he's coming back for a church. He's coming back for a bride that knows what it is to serve. I love our church. I love the people that serve in our church, in our discovery with our little kids and in Kid Pack right now. I want to tell you, we need more. We need more people that want to serve. Not people that are coming with an agenda to, to, to get paid here or to get a position here or to get this opportunity here. People that are coming saying, here I am. How can I help? How can I serve? 
He's coming back for church that carries this type of character. I love our church. I love people that, that, that serve through giving every single week. We've got an event. We're doing something next year that we're so pumped about. We're not going to be able to do it without people that are going to come and serve and give. But we've booked, we booked for, for Easter, Easter Sunday. We're going to do one service at the Brent Center. On Easter Sunday, we're going to do a service. But hear me, church. I think it's 5,500 or 6,000 must be people. We're going to fill that place. We're going to do one service. Listen to me. We're doing one service with Matt Redman. I'm praying, I'm believing. I feel God put it on my heart. I'm believing for a thousand decisions for Jesus on Easter Sunday at the Bren Center. We're going to go onto that college campus, the UCI. We've got prayer walks that are starting at Chapman University in UCI. They're starting now. And we're going to walk around and we're going to churn up that ground. I'm believing we're going to see a thousand decisions for Jesus. God's called us to take a region. I believe that. But listen, we're not, we can't, I, I know we can't, we can't do, we can't afford to do that without people. They're going to come along. And I believe people in this church are going to come along and say, you know what? I'm with you. I'm going to serve and I'm going to sow and I'm going to partner to make this event happen. It's coming back for a church that is victorious. It's coming back for His bride that walks in power, that carries purity. It's coming back for a victorious church. And the last thing, and, and I'm going to close. But this woman, she, she left. She didn't even know. Think about it. She didn't know who Isaac was. He could have been a jerk for all she knew. She went in faith. He's coming back for a church that knows what it is to step out and just believe and do something crazy. I think we got it in us, hey. I reckon there's enough of you that are just back crazy to believe that God is going to do something so supernatural. In John 20 and verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's what this woman did. She said, let's roll, let's do this. And then the final scene is this Amazing picture of Isaac meeting his bride. It's a picture of what the rapture is going to look like. When Jesus comes down to meet his bride, that is the church of Jesus Christ in all power, in all purity and in all victory. I want to tell you, church, that's something worth getting excited about. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, give him some praise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.